back to the Sea Hags podcast. I am Katie Nordgren. And I am Chris Jeppa. With us this week is the amazing, the wonderful Allison Lindsay. Oh, hello. She is a kick-ass drummer in a band with me. Uh, she sings and plays drums. She's also a butcher and just a general badass, and we're happy to have you with us. Hot shucks, guys. <laughs> just quick, right off the top, what's your favorite meat to butch? Ardent <laughs> uh, oh, <I'm>, questions. <laughs> I love butching. Uh, I've mostly <laughs> been doing a lot of lamb lately. Ooh, that's the, lamb. Yeah, if you're learning whole animals, then that's sort of what you get started with. And it's very fun. I've, I've gotten my time down pretty quickly. You can not- break down a lamb real quick. This episode is NSFV, not safe for vegans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been that's watching, true. I found out there's a whole other season of Top Chef that I didn't realize had started. And I love that show because I love watching them, like, do all their amazing prep cookery and stuff. And, like, yeah, watching someone, like, break down a chicken, like, really super fast and then make a meal. But then a bunch of the, in the second episode, they were in California this season. And one of the teams that they had to do a pop-up restaurant got a vegan restaurant. And they were all so mad. They're like, sucks. Like, I can't put, like, meat in here. Then it's boring. I'm like, step it up, chefs. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you, you Google should... a vegan recipe, you dickhead? Yeah, like, you should. Well, they can't. I oh, don't think they're allowed. Google it in your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had, like, a, a person that they could ask questions. Anyway, she like she made such a sad, like, grilled bean salad. And I'm like... There's oh, so, so many lazy. more amazing vegan things to do, too. So I, actually, like, I, I helped someone make a green chili the other day, and it was, I yeah, it was vegan. What is green chili? Uh, like tomatillos, oh. tomatoes, mm. zucchini, green mm. oh, pepper, Ooh. jalapenos. Jalapenos. So, yeah. like, all Keeping green things? things? All green things. And then, uh, like, a buttload of fresh herbs chopped into it. Nice. I wanted to add lime zest. It didn't happen, though. Mm. You can't <laughs> always get what you want. No, I'll just make my own. Yep. Yep. Fuck, Fuck that person. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't let you put lime in, in the super green chili. Make it extra green. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. so what I I don't know what I was saying, but it's just like it's really cool to see people like do good things with meat, but also like you can branch away from that too, and it's probably fine. I, I really appreciate vegetables. I make a mean salad. Mm-hmm. I, I worked in a vegetarian restaurant in Toronto actually for a while. No, two months. That's not a while. <laughs> it's <laughs> but a damn while. did I learn how to make acetal. Actually, I was a vegetarian for like 10 years when wow. I was younger. Why did you go into, or how did you change? That's, that sounded very change? accusatory. Why did you go? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? What vegetable hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> Show me on the carrot. Where <laughs> Back in the dark side. Um... <laughs> Uh, because I'm a millennial and I can't find any work in the field that I went to school in. Which was? English and fine arts. Yep, that's, yep, yeah. yeah, me too. Impossible. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I was trying to find a job at um, an art store. <laughs> I would like one art, please. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, there's a really discouraging experience in there where one of the employees was like, you know, everybody working here are, like, actual working artists full time. <laughs> this is just how we make extra cash. Oh. Like, oh, okay, cool. And then I just walked by 
a butcher shop, the healthy butcher in Toronto. I was like, you know what? That's, I don't know, that's artish. That's kind of sculpture. It's meat art. I yeah. could try that. <laughs> wow. And, I mean, like, it was a long time before anybody let me cut anything. But, yeah, you know, you work your way from the bottom up. Started like, from like the anything. bottom, now we're meat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am meat. And now, <laughs> now my nickname is Sweet Meat. That's... Wow. <laughs> so how long have you been uh, butching for? Butchering, I guess is the proper term. <laughs> uh, I guess, n- but yeah, the actual meat cutting has been... <laughs> really important The part. actual butching. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing that for a couple years. Two, two and a half years. That's cool. Yeah. Right Before that, it was it was just the, the baby work. Which is? Sales and oh. deli stuff. <laughs> you want to buy a meat? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I have to learn how to talk about and describe meat before yeah, they even let me like This one's got nice marble. Learn about things before you actually practice those. Ugh. Bullshit. I just wanted to immediately like have a chainsaw for an arm and like a machete and just hack, hack, hack. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good time. That's how it's done. That's I'm pretty sure that's how it's done. I am an expert. That's the South African way, anyway. <laughs> Whoa, never explain that statement. <laughs> it's better as a mystery. <laughs> On Top Chef, they were talking about like a uh, rack of lamb lollipops as he was like cutting them out because you can like do it on the bone with like a little uh, chunk on the. So many of those today. <laughs> yeah. It looked really difficult. And he like the guy on the show is having trouble, and his buddy like came over to what? help him do it. It's really easy. Oh, so that guy was a fucking idiot. Yeah, he was a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> he was not not a good butcher. <laughs> no, it was Valentine's Day, by the way. Uh, oh yeah, so it's Valentine's. I guess rack of lamb this year was a really big thing for people. I saw. Why? <laughs> I wonder. So many. You just cook a nice dinner. You can make it look real pretty. <laughs> when yeah, you love someone, nice you want to feed them a child animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tenderest of animals. Oh, really? But a lot of people are like, come in and they're like, oh, no, no, no. I, I don't eat veal. Can I have some lamb? <laughs> <laughs> they're even cuter than baby cows. <laughs> you guys. the same thing. <laughs> Hmm. Like, we don't sell a white veal. It's red veal. It's pastured. It's different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I used to have veal so much as a kid. My dad is Polish, and he used to cook, like, breaded veal cutlets all the time, and he, like, lived in Italy for a long time, so, like, oh, yeah, yeah, veal was, like, a, a big, big, Italian yeah. thing. big thing, and then ever since I was, like, 14 or something, I just, like, didn't eat it. And then when I see it in a restaurant, I'm like, oh, that might be. And then I was like, no, baby cow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird but I designation. Can eat, but I can eat grown-up cows, I no problem. Yeah. I mean, uh, also, yeah, white veal is, like, a lot worse than red veal. Uh, you know, that's the kind where they, like, don't let them move so much. Oh, no. <laughs> it's more, like, yeah, conventional. Saddest life. But, like, I mean, a lot, a lot of, like, you know, the more, let's use the term the what do you fuck what do you call it <laughs> you're the butcher yeah <laughs> when you when you're not supposed to feel guilty about eating meat ethical ethical <laughs> <laughs> ethical meal that's, that's literally what it is yeah. holy fuck wow yeah. Yeah. wowie sometimes i just forget real words guys two day it's hangover sustainable and ethical yeah wow, allison's joining us with a two-day hangover we're so grateful that she's playing through the pain and drinking a tiny tiny little glass full of wine. wine a little hair of a very small dog a little pomeranian tuft 
Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, my God. My stomach has turned into the stomach of a child. Oh, no. I can only <laughs> eat chicken fingers and french fries. Oh, goldfish and applesauce. Oh, it's a very bad. small child. Yeah, a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Grapes cut in half, maybe. <laughs> Cheese if it's cut into stars. Oh, no. No, no. 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 I had a weird cow adventure <laughs> a oh. couple months ago mm-hmm. where uh, my partner and I were driving around looking for good fishing spots because it was salmon season and we went out to Chilliwack and we wound up like seeing on Google Maps that there was a road that accessed this riverbank. So we drive down it and it's an active dairy farm. And so we go down, we're like, I don't think we're supposed to be here. And then we kept driving and then we turned this corner and there was all the baby cows like in little areas, like away from everybody. And then this farmer came out and was like, what are you doing here? You can't be here. And I was like, what are you Whoa. doing to the cow? And he was like, turn around the car and like made us like go the other way. And you just hear a signal gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he didn't want you to see. Well, it just, they were all just like sad and cute looking. Uh, it made me so sad. I haven't no. really eaten a lot of beef after that day. <laughs> yeah. That was a dairy farm. Mm. Mm. But then all the little cows were separated, so I mean, maybe <laughs> oh, not. Oh, it's sad. I'm getting sad, guys. Oh, I'm, I'm getting so sorry. sad about okay. Oh, it's fine. I'm, I'm a grown That's up. I can I'm... deal with my own emotions. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> ethical veal <laughs> are like males that are born into the dairy industry. Right. Because they don't have use for them. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> they could try. I don't, I don't think I'm proving anything right now. <laughs> no, but no, except for the whole like, oh, we really want to pat ourselves on the back about the things that we put into ourselves, don't we? Uh, I mean, yeah. food wise. And otherwise. And otherwise. Too. Probably I, ethics play a big role. I've justified a lot of things in my lifetime, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I can justify almost anything. Drinking wine after a two-day hangover? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, you have been butching for two, two and a half years. How long have you been drumming? Ooh, um, I mean, I, I started in high school when I was 17, Started, and uh, you are 12 now. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 28. But, you know, when I went away to university, it's like drums are a very inconvenient instrument to keep up. So that didn't happen until like two years ago mm-hmm. for your New Year's party. Yeah, because you started. So every year we do an awesome New Year's party at my home. Um, and we have a big, beautiful jam space in the basement and wind up like playing music. Mm-hmm. The origin of that is another story for another day, perhaps, but we've been doing it for now five years, I guess, and we all just get together. It's friends that play songs and it's so fun. We just basically it's the most like fun. everyone just picks a bunch of cover songs and then everyone learns them. Mm-hmm. And we just have a big old jam. Everybody chips in. Mm-hmm. We all learn. It's very stressful, but damn it, it's worth it. It's You basically cram learning a whole bunch of like cheesy 80s and 90s songs for a month, and then you put on a big show, and then it's just over. Yeah, it's like a, a winter band camp for adults. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> I love it so much. I was really kind of sad to not actually participate in the music part this year. Oh, but you were our great. sweet MC. Yeah, until I, like... You had to pull me away from the microphone and, like, put me on a couch. (laughs) Katie, I was too drunk. Katie learned a valuable lesson lesson about hosting. I learned no such thing. (laughs) 
I did learn it. But I'm not going to put it into practice. Well, you learned, okay, about hosting an event. Yeah. If you're really funny, people will give you shots of alcohol. That's true. <laughs> so this is a lesson that Very you've learned, funny. and, like, maybe you're just going to keep going with that, which is pretty I'm, fun. You know what I'm going to just do is just tie a half sack of bread to my belt next time, and I'm just going to just chew on bread all night, and that's going to really uh, mm. keep me going, I think. Because you were super funny, and it was just at the very, very end on, like, my set, you just Sorry, picked up Sorry, I fucked up yours. No, but oh, no. you just, no, you didn't fuck it up. You just gushed about how much you loved me for, like, yeah, that's not fucking five up. minutes straight, and I was like, Katie, I gotta take this mic from you. You're like, I'm not done. <laughs> I love you. This girl is great. I'm just like, but I want to sing my songs, and it's getting late, and you're like, but I love you so much. I'm like, oh, sit down. Yeah. Sadly for Chris, we were all pretty far in the bag by well, that last set. It's the, uh, the, <laughs> well, you know, we rotate every year. Nobody has to go at the same slot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. someone's got to take the shitty one. I'm always right at midnight. I'm always like at the best set time. So I'm like, this year I'll take the hit, you guys. I'll go last. You're it's a real champion. Fun. Yeah. Champignon. I'm a little mushroom. Oh, you are a little mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) But cuter than that. I I think mushrooms are so cute. The first year that Allison, I think that you did New Year's with us, you played guitar on the big Lebowski set. No, that was the second. First year I, I did drums. And suddenly, like, yeah, two months before it, I was like, oh, I guess I have to teach myself drums again. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just on the one set, just on Bob's, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. and that went all right. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Past guest Bob Newbauer. Yeah. <laughs> the greasy white fuck. <laughs> Favorite greasy white fuck. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and and then Bob and I just put together another band after that. Mm-hmm. Tough it's Muff. Tough Muff. Great name for a band. And that, yeah, that was such a good band. And they wrote an amazing, amazing X-Files mm-hmm. love song. Yeah. Which for Valentine's Day, like... <laughs> We should talk. Well, whatever. It's <laughs> we can try playing and, like, it. Just super and, like, timely. New, but like the new X Files reboot is out, and I know that your band is not a band at the moment. You're on some hiatusy business. Yeah, no one's in the country. It was a really, really, really good song. It was a love song between Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about? Or is that that kind of sums it up? I guess. Oh, uh, well, it's called Ouroboros of Love, which is funny <laughs> because that was the title before we even knew what it was going to be about. Uh, Bob, like, comes to me when I'm sick with strep throat in my house, and he's like, well, how about I just play some riffs I've been working on? That'll make you feel better. (laughs) Thanks, Dr. Bob. Thanks, almost (laughs) Dr. Bob. (laughs) Uh, and he starts playing this song, and it's, um... It's basically House of the Rising Sun, but that, that doesn't matter. <laughs> we couldn't tell him Everything that. is something else, right? He's like, I don't know what it's going to be about, but I really want to call it Ouroboros of Love. I'm like, what's an Ouroboros? And he's like, oh, it's, you know, that picture, the... Snake eating its butt. Snake eating its butt. <laughs> I suppose tail, but it's funnier if you say butt. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you mean uh, Scully's tattoo from that bad that's episode? Like, that's of the one X-Files. of two or three episodes I ever actually saw. The other <laughs> one was the, when they make a golem, where <laughs> there's like a golem in the what? episode. You have the, you've only seen a few episodes of the X Files. I know. Yeah. I'm just I find that very surprising. Me too. To that was like. Don't such I a look exactly like that? Mm-hmm. Like the demographic of that show? I know it's <laughs> weird. Super weird. That's because you know that when you start, you'll get sucked in. I did. I started watching. I watched the first episode a little while ago, and then I was like, "These are very long, and there's so many of them." Yeah, that was back when there were like twenty episodes of a show per season. 
Oh, does it taper off a little bit? Because well, just this new one, I guess, is a shorter reboot. Well, I just or? mean television in general, you know? Yeah, there's it's, like, there's less syndication, less network shows, and yeah. so you're like, 13 episodes is normal now? Yeah, there's like 10 Game of Throneses per year. Thank God there's no more than that. <laughs> I would love it if there were so many more. <laughs> you like it even though it's gotten bad? I really love Game of Thrones. Unapolog- well, very apologetic. It's like the, yeah, yeah, it's like the Dorito of shows. Uh, like You're like, oh, it's so bad. Um, nom, 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 I just love the book so much. I love the character so much. And I just love like watching it come to life. Yeah. And then all the horrible stuff. I'm like, this does happen in the books. I just can skim over it and not picture it as graphically. And then mm. also it's more awful in certain parts and... In any case, it's uh, so many people watch it, you can still discuss these problems with anyone, <laughs> you know? As opposed to the X-Files, where it's like all the old episodes, you're like, but remember that mm-hmm. one? Yeah, they that aired carni- 15 years ago. The Carnival Sideshow one, where the guy was like putting nails into his head, and then there was like the Fiji mermaid, and... That was one of the verses in Ouroboros of Love is based on that episode. Humbug. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the, the, something like the Jim Rose circus on with like the yeah. enigma with all the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. and like the guy, yeah, the police puts a nail Walk in his head. head. Yeah, the worst X-Files episode, which I loved at the time, is the black and white one with the, with the monster. And he basically goes to different women's houses that have been, you know, fumigated. So they're passed out and he rapes them. Oh. No. Yeah. And he ends up being the, like, sympathetic hero of the story oh. in the end. No. He's very bad. No. <laughs> oh, oh, that's... I'm going to have to look that up later yeah. just to be upset about it's, it. It's the one with uh, Cher in it. Cher no. is in an episode of The X-Files? Okay, it's not actually her. It's an impersonator. But apparently after she saw the episode, she was like, why didn't I do it? They should have... You should have called me on I should have done it. <laughs> That's the worst Sarah impression ever. <laughs> you just saw me do the hair flip thing. You're like, good enough. <laughs> Nobody else can see it's it. It's so good in an audio medium. <laughs> oh. So every every episode we have to be like, it's an audio medium. None of the things that we're doing are carrying across. Oh, Apparently no she never actually does the hair flip. It's just something people attribute oh. to her. It's just a way to get into the character. I'm I sure think. she does it. She has long hair. Uh, like, like Chad Michaels, a famous drag queen impersonator of Cher. Uh, like <laughs> on an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, gets really defensive about like how oh, Cher doesn't actually do. Like, are you talking flip. about Brett Michaels from Boys? <laughs> <laughs> no, a totally different person <laughs> who looks better in makeup. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, better in makeup, but not a Cher impersonator. Chad Michaels got really defensive because because everybody does the hair flip. When they're doing a share impersonation, but she he says she doesn't actually do that ever, mm. <laughs> and he would know. It's his job. Yeah, to know. Uh, Chad he's Michaels. So good. Before we move on, I just want to put a pin in this beautiful X Files song. The chorus oh. is so good, and like I I heard Allison and Bob like acoustically jamming this out, but when I saw it with the full band, it was like this epic, beautiful thing, like. <laughs> Do you mind just reciting the chorus? You don't have to sing it, obviously, but just the lyrics of it. Yeah. I'm putting you can, very much on the spot. If I can remember. So it goes, so, so why should we care if the baby is ours? Do you? The truth is out there. I just want to believe in you. <laughs> I really love that. I just really love that. I just want to believe in you. <laughs> And we sing you to the X Files theme. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you. you. <laughs> uh, and then I 
is there more? That was just basically the part where it's just like, the yeah. truth is out there, but I just want to believe in you. Like, <laughs> fuck, man. It's yeah. so good. On that note of lovely romance, why don't we just uh, do a little roundup about the week? Because we're recording on Valentine's Day. Happy mm-hmm. Valentine's. Happy Valentine's. This is going to come out way later, probably. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not. Who knows? Oh, the, the order's up to us. People can re listen to it next Valentine's. Mm. Be like, wow, this is so timely. <laughs> 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 no one's going to do that. Uh, yeah, so it's it's Valentine's Day. How's everybody's week been? Has it been romantic? Has it been not romantic? Has it been any kind of thing? Uh, Chris, tell me. Well, I've been working a lot. Uh, I'm back to working like very full time and just feeling kind of exhausted. My week started though with band practice with Allison and our friends uh, Adam and Tom, mm. and we got to perform in a really amazing jam space. Ah, oh, beautiful! And the people that had been performing before us or rehearsing were the burlesque like the Kitty Knights burlesque people. Oh, yeah. And so the whole room was like full of like glitter and perfume and feathers. And then we <laughs> walked in. And like it's a huge room with a stage and huge mirrors on the walls and a wow. lighting rig. And so we like plugged everything in and like had crazy lights on as we were jammed. And it was really, really fun. That was very fun. Should we do a plug? <laughs> Pandora's Box Pandora's Studios. Box rehearsal Studios. Ooh, pretty yeah. good. It's Sassy. A, if you ever feel like really splurging on a room to mm-hmm. jam in, the big room in there is yeah, really awesome. something. And yeah, it was like, Tom's girlfriend gave him a gift certificate for some studio yeah, time there, which so is a really nice gift. We didn't have to pay. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and it's right by a brewery, so we just got like a couple of growlers and nice. and jammed a bunch. Oh my god, the is, lifestyle. Yeah, it was awesome. And then it I was. just like was a working schmo for the rest of the week, but like in a fine way. I've been working a lot more in my mental health housing job. Um, and the coworker that I'm working with these days is like super solid and super badass. So we had a bunch of overdoses that we had to deal with because there's not only fentanyl on the streets, but also a new thing that they're calling WD-50, I believe. It's like not WD-40, which is the spray lubricant. It's like, yeah, it's worse and it's like super poisony. Oh, it's got 10 more uses. And is it in the heroin? Yeah, and so people are are showing up just dead in hospitals and stuff, which is really bad. But so we had somebody that was overdosing, and we were able to, like, get down to the room, Narcan the guy, which Narcan is basically an opiate inhibitor. Like an EpiPen type thing? Sort of. So you you have this little ampule of this drug. You crack it open, you draw it up into a syringe, and then you stab it into a muscle or something like that. And it kicks. It's a... Um, opiate antagonist, that's what it is. So it actually kicks any opiates out of the receptors in your brain that have heroin in them. Wow. It punts it out there and replaces it with its own thing. So you immediately are not high. Oof. But like that means that you're in instant withdrawal. So usually people are in really bad moods when they come out of that. Mm, yeah, and I usually bet. they come up swinging at you. So this fellow like came up. He's like, "Fuck you guys! I was having a good high." I'm like, "You were dead, sort of like or really <laughs> close to it." Oh, so man. it's probably good, but it also wears off pretty quick. Yeah. It, like it's like a temporary placeholder. You kind of have to be in, 
you know, a safe place to then once it kind of wears off, maybe you might overdose again. So you kind of want someone around you. But this guy took off and he was just like, fuck you guys and ran out the building. So that was a little stressful. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You're my but hero. We handled it as an awesome team and I was really impressed. And I just found out apparently that all firefighters in Vancouver are getting trained on that to use it as first responders. Great. Oh. Which is so awesome because before we used to have to wait for paramedics. It's so amazing that it's such a instantaneous, like, life-saving drug. It is. Like, literally, people are blue on the ground with no heartbeat, and you're just breathing into them, and then you're just like, kabam, Narcan, and they just jump up, and they're like, hey! Like, hey, you ruined my day! Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like if, if someone was sleeping, and you, like, poke them, like, someone that wasn't, you know, just like... Only they're dead. Yeah, your friend's sleeping. Yeah, so, like, they just jump up, and they're like, god damn it! Oh my god. So that's been my week and I like I've been having a really good time at work. It's been really solid, but I realize that I've been like there's all this stress that's going on in the background where we're dealing with a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff even though we're dealing with it competently and as a good team. Yep. I come home from work and I'm just like, "Why am I so tired and sad?" So that's yeah. kind of what I've been feeling like. So I've been like extra emotional this week. Oh, yeah. And then because it's like romance week, like, my long-term partner and I are just like, we don't give a shit about Valentine's Day this year. I'm like, I would like it if you got me flowers at some oh. point. It doesn't have to be on Valentine's Day, but, like, maybe sometime. And yeah. I cooked a nice dinner this evening, Aww. and, yeah. So that's kind of how it's been. I'm just trying to get through February. It's a bit dark and bleak. and Yeah, this February kind of sucks. I'm used yeah. to November being my bad month, and this this it's definitely, like, I just, yeah. Kind of overcommitted myself this month. And oh, yeah, especially this week. Oh, you. What mean, if? What is your week? Yeah, the week is, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> she says. Oh, let's see. Um, I should have thought about this ahead of time. Well, I mean, yeah, the two-day hangover that's been a, a chunk it. of it. Um, and that all came about. Uh, yeah, Friday night when I went to see Moon Age Daydream. Oh, that's our friend uh, Tanya Gosnack's David Bowie tribute band. Yeah, and uh, I saw her before. It was amazing. This time I arrived like two minutes after they filled to capacity. Oh. So that was balls. Um, Did you not get to see them at all? You didn't get to even go in? No. I like... I met up with my friend and we're like okay well you know there was an earlier show so it's probably just extra people left from that we'll like drink in the park for half an hour and <laughs> <laughs> that's such a, such a Vancouver we'll be thing to be like we can't get into the venue so let's go to the cold beer and wine store and drink in the park yeah <laughs> I mean yeah it was right there um <laughs> where what venue were they Fairview at? okay mm-hmm. uh and yeah when we came back there was just even more people waiting oh boo so, yeah, no. Uh, that was a bust. I sort of saw her from outside. The worst part is that, like, later on I texted her and was like, I'm sorry, I missed your show. I tried to go. She's like, I could have let you in. <laughs> if you're friends with the band, like, they could open the escape hatch yeah. in the back or something That's like, like that. why I play music <laughs> to have these, like, little rock star connections. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about this today where it's like, I've been involved in so many different musical projects and, like, awesome experiences where it's, like, I've played on the stage at the Commodore with Amanda Palmer and the Dan Band with my friend Jesse where we got beers thrown at us. And, like, I've played at, like, all these different crazy venues that now I'm just, like, I cannot stand being just in the audience. It makes me really grumpy. (laughs) Or it's, like, I have to wait in line? 
I fucking yeah. played here. I have you paid nine dollars for a beer? Yeah. Uh, don't you know I'm friends with Tanya? Uh. Yeah. So it's like I try to like exploit those connections as much as possible. That's smart. Because I should. just really can't stand being in line for stuff anymore. And it sounds like arrogant, but I just... yeah. Well, no, I, I that was part of the conversation we were having is because my the band that I used. I don't want to say my old band because that's is disingenuous because I was very much like riding coattails and stuff because I was playing <laughs> I played bass for the Dreadnoughts back in like 2007 and 2008 I'm not a very good bass player not the worst bass player <laughs> but they're all very good musicians mm. and so I was like kind of always uh, 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 I'm not catching up yeah, I'm not picking this up very quickly so, so it's yeah I definitely yeah uh, so but they were playing their first show in Vancouver in two years yesterday so the singer Nick is one of my best friends and I got to see him which was great because uh, he lives in Rhode Island now um, but I uh, came back to do the show at the rickshaw with the Skimity Hitchers and some other some other bands, and they sold the capacity. It was like seven hundred people were there, but I was not gonna go. Like even though, hey, I love you, and these were good times in my life, but I don't want to be in a room with seven hundred people and listen to punk music. Yeah. I just can't. Mm. I'm so old. You know what I did instead? This is my week. <laughs> I just uh, hung out with my spouse, and we ate sushi. And we watched TV shows like At Midnight and uh, <laughs> Elementary and yeah. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. And we were asleep <laughs> before midnight, and it was amazing. Oh, that's nice. It was phenomenal. And my friend, or my friend who is staying with us, who came to see the show, did not come home till like four o'clock in the morning oh, on yeah. the night bus. I'm like I am not regretful of anything. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst part about like. Being in the dating scene, like me. I mean, I love this, like, online dating shit. It's so convenient. But, uh, <laughs> like, you just go to bed so late all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you go for, like, coffee dates? Or if you want to escalate it, I guess you go out. Yeah, I don't know. Listen to me. Coffee what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't this dating go thing. I guess coffee's fun, but I it's I not, like to have not. like you know elaborate nights out. Yeah, you know the shameful tiki room and such. Nice. That's a very good date spot. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you don't know what it's all about, and suddenly someone's ringing a gong. Yeah. <laughs> to the left of your head. Mystery bowl. <laughs> Mystery bowl. It's, it's so eventful. There. It's amazing, actually. What is the shameful tiki room? It's on Main and Twenty Fifth or so. Oh, like 28th, I guess, is the cross street. And it's yeah. like, it's you would miss it if you walk by because the windows don't actually like look in. Uh -huh. They're boarded up and you go inside and it's like full on tiki lounge. They have massive, like crazy selection of cocktails. The food's all kind of like Polynesian, Hawaiian, really good. Uh, and you can get group cocktails. So you order a mystery bowl and it's like 25 bucks and five people drink out of it with big long straws mm -hmm. and they bring a gong. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> Please sponsor us, Shameful <laughs> Tiki Room. Just oh give us God. one of those cocktails and we'll talk oh you up forever. Cocktail. If you're if you're thirsty for sponsors, I won't say the comment that I was going to say. Which was? Mono Nucleosis. <laughs> hey, I already had mono. Yeah, I'm me fine. too. Yeah. Let's go All share right, a mystery let's go. bowl. Right. <laughs> me too. Okay, Yay. you too. <laughs> so it's fine for us. Yeah. yeah, so that's been, that's. I guess that's the... Sea Hags Roundup for the week. I guess. I, I guess. guess. Do you have more to say? I had a yeah. flu. Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah. it's fine. Like, my week was fine. It just, like, that reminded me of, like, being out late after a show. I really haven't done that for a while in the creaking planks. Like, we normally are playing gigs and they're over at, like, 10 or 11. Mm. But we had our big anniversary concert a couple weeks ago. Um, and I just wound up getting home at, like, 3 in the morning 
after like mopping the wise hall like we had to i think i mentioned this on maybe a previous podcast but like yeah i just had to clean up a bunch why did you have to mop up because we it was our hall that we rented for our event oh through the radio station co-op radio and so we were kind of in charge so you have to like wipe all the tables down and like mop all the drinks that were spilled and everything yeah, they don't have staff there for what that. An so. interesting yeah. venue. I yeah. mean, that's fine. Because yeah. it's, it's a do-it-yourself kind of vibe. Um, but so cool then place. I got home yeah, at, like, yeah. 3 in the morning, and I was like, I'm still raring to go. And I'm like, I remember that I used to go to someone else's house or have an after party or people would come over to mine. And it's like, that is how I would wind down from a gig. So yeah. I literally just, like, sat at home and just, like, drank wine until, like, 6 in the morning watching TV. Wow. Because I just was so hyped up from this amazing show that we yeah, did. Yeah, it's and so, like, so many endorphins. But those, yeah, those kind of lifestyle things go together where it's like you play a show, you feel so good, you're so hyped up, mm-hmm. and then you just can't sleep for a while. Yeah. So then you just party until late. And I just kind of missed having people to do that with because everyone yeah. else in the band was like, I have small children, I have my partner, I have this and that, I'm going to all go home. When I got home, my partner was asleep already, and so I was just like... I guess I'll just be here by myself watching television. You're in it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bother. Which, like, yeah, yeah. I just, like, I miss the wild partying band days at the same time that I'm too exhausted to do most things. Yeah. So I'm, like, in this real, like, transitional phase, I guess. Yeah, kicking and screaming the whole way. Kind yeah. Of. We'll, I, we'll do it. We'll do it. I want to be a wild party show. animal, but I'm so tired. <laughs> So we have awesome. to schedule our wild partying. Like, I think I can do, like, one dumb late night, maybe a fortnight. <laughs> I was going to say a week, and I was like, no, that's yeah. overestimating it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, like, kind of terminally low-key these days. I, I can't manage... Terminally low-key would be an amazing, like, album name or something. Yeah, for my next smooth jazz album that's coming out soon. For your comedy record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that I should write that down. Scribble, scribble, scribble. I didn't write anything down. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'm just so, uh, I, I don't know if it's, I mean, I have some, th- some theories on why I'm so low-key, but I also just, I want to go to bed. Mono I've still got mono. <laughs> I wondered that because I was sick for a super long time. I'm like, could that have brought it back? Do I have like an Epstein-Barr resurgence? Am I about to get chronic fatigue syndrome? Because uh... I really don't have time for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good thing that uh, diseases pay attention to your schedule and (laughs) never hit you when it's inconvenient. I would get it, like, at the beginning of my work week. (laughs) It's so, oh, God, just the endurance. And you know what? I had a really lazy work week. Uh, I work at a school, and it was reading break. So there was no students, and I'm an advisor, so I work with students. So I didn't Uh really have anything to do, and that was... I did almost nothing all day, and I still was so exhausted at the end of it, just because I was so Ow. unstimulated, you know? Man. So it's like you're either you're too busy and you're exhausted, or you're not stimulated enough, and your brain just, like, goes into hibernation mode or something. So. The days are so much longer when you're not like, busy. what website have I not checked yet? Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll just, like, go to the same one, like, five times in five minutes. Like, maybe something is different. Maybe something is different. It's not, it's not a good use of anyone's time. I probably shouldn't confess this, where... Somebody might hear and be like, well, she should probably fire Katie because she's clearly not doing anything. She's looking at BuzzFeed at It was work. reading week. It's fine. I was reading BuzzFeed like I was supposed to. <laughs> I think as long as you get all of your work tasks done, then it's oh, yeah. fine. And you were, oh, thanks. you were well caught up at thanks, the beginning Chris. of each day and everything. Yeah. So anyway, now that we've justified all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh, I just wanted to mention that I got into Buffy this week. That seems important. Ooh. For the first time in my life. Wow, you're talking to some people who know a thing or two. <laughs> I've, watched, I've watched all of the seasons of Buffy and Angel multiple times. Nice. As have I. Yeah. I can't believe it's taken me this long. So many people I love and respect have been like, watch Buffy, these, Allison. These two, right Just here. Just do it. You'll love it. And, oh my god, like... It, like I mean I, I'm, I just finished the first season and it's so delightfully 90s it's so aggressively her, 90s her outfits and all of the butterfly clips oh, that are in her tank hair tank tops oh my god and sweet sweet dorky Willow Rosenberg and her little sweaters like oh I remember god. finding her really annoying when I was younger but she's the best mm-hmm. yeah she gets a lot better too and so and hot a lot gayer yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert very gay she's super uh, gay <laughs> and uh, it's nice yeah I knew that already so I have that to look forward to um, yeah. That's all. Because <laughs> we were talking about, you know, never watching the X-Files, and I can't believe I never watched Buffy. And I'm really... Well, that's, I never watched the X-Files because too busy watching Buffy. Yeah, that's it. I They're managed to do both, you guys. You're a very impressive person, though, I, st- <laughs> I stayed home on Friday and Saturday nights. <laughs> <laughs> Filing your, your fake nails into vampire teeth and sticking them in your face. And my too. mom let me drink non-alcoholic wine because it was romantic. Oh, <laughs> uh, my God. I should have been. I feel like Joanna would let you drink real wine, maybe. She. Uh, Okay, uh. so when I used to have vampire parties at my house. Oh my god, this is new information. This is making me think of when we were talking about your vampire LARPing parties or dates, I guess, when you went out with your friend to that French restaurant with your. You'd order just your glass of wine and not drink it because you wanted to leave the mystery. But I'm sorry, you were having vampire parties at your house? Okay, so my friends and I played Vampire the Masquerade. This we know. Yes. This is an established part of the Sea Hags canon. Yeah, so we would have. Yeah, like a LARPing party. We'd all dress in costumes and we'd... <laughs> I'm not making fun. This is making me so happy. And yeah, we'd, we'd awesome. play the game. So there was like a dungeon master and basically it was like Dungeons and Dragons, but for vampires. If anyone's not familiar with <laughs> don't laugh. Okay. So I will laugh like if a... I want to. Yeah, I know. That's true. It's There's a strategy totally to it. So then we would all like play the game basically, but I wanted to set the atmosphere. So we would like light candles in my living room. And I was like, mom, can we have real wine? And she was like, well, if you're going to drink, I'd rather that you drink at home instead of somewhere else. Cause that's my mother. <laughs> I'm a cool mom. But she's like, how about if we compromise and I'll buy you lots and lots of non-alcoholic wine so that you can all drink it like lots of it and it'll be good and fine uh-huh. and I was like oh that sounds good as opposed to like one bottle of real wine <laughs> how about lots of bottles of non-alcoholic wine I think that was a really good that's strategy really, that's very smart like she gave me like a two choice thing it's like you could either have one bottle of real wine split between all seven of you or yeah that's wow ah. your mom's the best I love right? your mom and then so then we drank a lot of non-alcoholic wine and like hung out and like the story told about vampire that's times adorable. and went and played in the woods and you had a really good teen teen run. I sure did. <laughs> I yeah. love hearing stories about you being an adolescent because they're just so goth. <laughs> but my my sweet darling mom texted me for Valentine's Day. Aww. I was saying she's just getting into texting. <laughs> she's got a, she's, she's got like a, eggplant emoji. No, eggplant no, no, no. emoji. Not even emojis. She's, she's got just, a flip phone. She's just learning about emoticons. Oh, so boy. she sends emails from her like Microsoft Outlook with like the you know, colon bracket, smiley yep. face, and it turns it into a smiley on your Microsoft email. That's so, so cute. So she thinks that that is now a sufficient response. If I say, oh, thanks, Mom, I love you, she'll just send back a smiley face. That's oh, yeah. cute. It's really cute. But now she'll text me, and she just was like, 
happy Valentine's Day, my Valentine, I love you so much, like, at noon on Friday, and I was at work, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) my mommy, it was really cute, that's so cute, and it just, like, it got me thinking about Valentine's Day, and, like, parent-child, like, love, which is sweet, I'm just like, I don't think Valentine's Day is for moms and daughters, like, Uh we have Mother's Day, and we have my birthday, and we have other stuff, but, like, your mom just has so much love, it has to come out at every possible opportunity, she's the most energetic and affectionate person. The most Valentine's love I've gotten has definitely been from my mom, care packages and stuff. I'm like, (laughs) my mom... Brenda, I love Brenda. Brenda my is... My mom's name is Brenda. What? That's oh crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, no, Brenda, uh... Oh, she loves me. She absolutely loves me. But I, yeah, the idea of her sending me a care... Her care packages are her sending me home from her house before she goes on holiday with a bag full of, like, half-used groceries. <laughs> Where she's like, look, I, you're an adult, but I worry about you, so here's some food. But it's, like, weird shit that doesn't go together. And it's, like, basically a low-rent version of Chopped. And she's like, I'm helping you. <laughs> but she's really just challenging me. <laughs> but that's her it's thing. She's just, like, push you out. Like, before before you're, like, 100% ready, she'll push you out at 80% ready. And it's like, leap in the net will appear, Katie. You'll be fine. <laughs> She's the master of tough Look love. at you now. <laughs> Take a look at me now. Yeah. I don't. Why are we looking at me? Because <laughs> you're pretty awesome and badass. Yeah. Am, I, am I terribly accomplished? Jim, Jim you're super successful. Oh, thank you. It worked. Ah, uh, thanks, mom. Brenda brand of parenting. It yeah. works. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough but fair, and it's loving most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just made me have, like, all kinds of feelings about Valentine's Day. Yeah. And, and it like, made you want want a little bit more, maybe. I don't know. It's just, I have so many conflicting Valentine's Day things, did I guess. It, did it erode a bit of your cynicism? Well, okay. So, like, I was super cynical about Valentine's Day all through my 20s, I guess, and even before. Mm-hmm. Right? Where it's like, Valentine's Day, it's a fucking corporate holiday, like, made up by Bullshit. Sucking bullshit. That's not true. (laughs) But this is, this is my process, like, in my 20s where I'm like, okay, like, everything is privileging, you know, hetero, monogamous relationships, and you're supposed to just give love on this one day, and why can't you just, like, love your partner, like, all the time, and why can't you have lots of partners, and, like, I just had all these thoughts, and I was so cranky about Valentine's Day. Mm. And then when I would see... Like, once Facebook became invented, because I was cranky about Valentine's Day before Facebook. <laughs> You've been doing it since before? I know. Jeez. So it was, like, super cranky, and then everyone would be posting stuff and be like, you fucking sheeple. Like, <laughs> I never actually thought that. <laughs> but just, like, you know, people just like, oh, you're so cheesy, Valentine's Day, blah. And I've since come around to just be like, you know what, maybe just let people just do their own thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, people have gotten good, I think, at celebrating it in their own way, mm-hmm. expressing their love for whoever. Yeah, I just always friends. felt so angry where it was like, so all you do is just get flowers and chocolates and a teddy bear and, like, a cliched thing, and you give it to your person, and you're like, here, and then you're, you don't have to do anything for the rest of the year. But now <laughs> that I have, like, been in long-term relationships, I'm like, that's not the case. Like, that's not actually what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, No, I think we definitely default to sort of, like, comfort situations with long-term partners, I think, and then you stop 
I mean, that's just, everybody knows that, that you just kind of taper off on the whole, like, trying to impress each other thing, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. I think, like, it's good to just get that little jolt, maybe, that just reminder in the calendar that's like, hey, go be romantic, you asshole, because, like, even (laughs) long-term love needs some maintenance every now and again. You need to, like, put something into it and be like, hey, just so you know... I really love you and I appreciate you and you're great. And whether that's showing you that by saying, don't worry about making anything. I'm going to go get us some sushi takeout and we're going to drink some hot sake. And that's, you know, what I did. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I felt so good. I didn't have to leave the house yesterday. Normally I'm always doing chores and like, cause I just like to be busy, but yesterday I just felt tired and I didn't want to do anything. Mm. And then my baby just took care of me <laughs> and that was so great. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just little things, but it still made me feel very loved. So mm-hmm. it's nice to get that. I have to say, it's uh, as someone who's like casually seeing someone, it's, it was it's a real relief that he's just like working tonight. Yeah, <laughs> be like, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> like, oh, you work until like one a.m. and then we'll sleep in the same bed, and that's all that matters. Nice. <laughs> that's a nice. That's good though. That's yeah. cute. You can spoon. It's, yeah. It must be really, when you're just starting a relationship, it's like, what do we do on Valentine's Day? It's do I have dance. to get something for them? And it's like, I always was very clear about, like, I don't give a shit really about Valentine's Day. I would rather you just get me a little presents throughout mm-hmm. the year. Ah. Not even presents, but just, like, show me love in the way that... I want some presents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your, your love language. This fucking presents. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. fine. I, but, like, fine. I just yeah. like presents. Presents are nice. Yeah. But so my, like, my whole thing was always, like, I don't ever want things because I'm just like, that seems, it's just another thing to clutter up my life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but the pointless. Thing. My my big way that I love receiving love, I guess, is through words. Yep. And like being with someone that's not super big on words, it's now turned into like acts of love, I guess, and service and, yeah. and different ways of like showing each other affection. Totally. Which happens all the time, but then this year I was just like I kind of want a gift. <laughs> Could you get me a gift? And so, like, that's yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that the, the the type of gift is really the important thing because I like if somebody bought me, I saw this amazing video that my friend posted on Facebook. It was like um, Chola's opinions on Valentine's Day. So it's like these two really cool like Chola women from LA who they're like, okay, this bear, this is bullshit. You don't get anybody this stupid ass bear. <laughs> I was like, True. tell it. But the other girl was like, the other girl was kind of like, I don't know. I think it's pretty cute. If you, got me a, you get me a stuffed puppy and I'm yours forever. <laughs> so it's just like, it's, it's all about who it is. Like you for me, know them, yeah. for me, if somebody really wanted to impress me with a gift, like I like a cheap bottle of wine or like a nice bottle of whiskey is like a really good, if you want to impress me with something a little fancy, like you know, mm. a nice bottle of single malt or something Ooh, like that nice is a really good of mezcal for me. Ooh, yeah, that's a good option too. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a, a nice that's top expensive. shelf liquor if yeah. you're a drinker, mm-hmm. <laughs> or if you're not, you know, like um, like you could go to Allison's butcher shop and get a nice fine aged steak, perhaps. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Do you have anything with some nice marbling? <laughs> so many things. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's so all about. It's about decadence, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. Whatever your like, yeah. whatever your indulgence is, whatever showing, you love, showing that you have thought about it, yeah, and that you know what that person would like. That's the important thing, mm-hmm. right? It's you don't get them something generic. Yeah. So that's what I think really bugged me about Valentine's Day because it felt generic. Where it was like, okay, I got flowers, chocolates, and a cart. I'm done. Check mark, check mark. It's like, well, that isn't very thoughtful. I'm gonna pay you back with some missionary style sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> check, check, check. 
Yeah. We're good for another month. So I think, like, yeah, just showing love and affection. So our friend Hillary, who sings the theme song to our beautiful podcast, um, she wrote a whole bunch of love notes to all of her friends today, and it was so sweet. That's delightful. Where it's just like, hey, you, friend of mine, that I, this is why I love you. And she's really big on, like, romantic friendships, basically. And yeah, I love yeah. that shit. And I've sort of always enjoyed, like, friend valentines. Galentines. Galentines. Whatever. <laughs> Palentines. More more than, like, Gal-Palentines. an actual couple I like, thing. I like Palentines because it's not specific to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's lovely. I've, I've made a lot of raunchy or silly valentines for friends. You know? What's a, what's a raunchy valentine? That you have made. <laughs> um, more creepy, really. Um, <laughs> just like drawing pictures of like really ugly dudes, and like I knew it was true love when I saw pictures of you dancing on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Things that could make you uncomfortable, but it's me, so it doesn't. <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue. I want to touch your ding dong and maybe your butt too. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good little uh, sex poem. It comes down to Valentine's just about butt touching. It's all about the butt touching. Yeah. I think that's really the thesis of our whole discussion is that it's mm-hmm. all about the butt this touching. That's what we're all getting at, right? Just <laughs> as, okay, so Allison and I are sort of like we're in a band mm-hmm. that we're working towards with some people from Tough Muff. Yeah. And me as an addition, mm-hmm. minus some few people. Minus we're, guitars. Yeah, there's no guitars in the band. And so we we're making cello guitars. kind of be, we're making cello be the guitar, mm-hmm. which it's is very, very interesting. Big and keys sometimes. There's lots of keyboards. Yeah. Wonder, but we were thinking of calling the band Everybody Kiss. Yeah. And that's kind of the philosophy. It's like, touch each other's butts and just kiss each other. (laughs) Careful about that motto. (laughs) Or don't. Or don't. Just get it, because it's inevitable. So I wrote this down earlier. So if our band name is Everybody Kiss, our first album is Epstein Bar Resurgence. (laughs) (laughs) But is that... is that a different name for mono? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> you can just call it mono epidemic, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah that works. Mono <laughs> but then it's like then you then you like actually master it so it's just mono like through one channel instead of stereo. <laughs> Every, everybody oh, kiss in mono. <laughs> That's corntastic. Oh, I, I love, love it. it. I love it. Listening to stuff in mono is so awful though. So maybe <laughs> so we shouldn't. <laughs> It's not worth it for the joke. We'll not not good enough for the lulz. <laughs> anyway, should we take a little break and then do you guys want to talk about David Bowie? Yeah, because uh, on a couple episodes ago, Katie was talking about how David Bowie passed away, and how I'm very still super sad about it. I haven't been able to listen to his music again yet. Yeah, and All but right. we only just briefly mentioned it, and we're like, well, Allison loves David Bowie too, so let's maybe talk about Damn. him a little bit. So that's so, what we're gonna chat about after the break. All right, we'll be right back. We are back from our break. Lots of adjustments and things to do just in our sweaty, sweaty studio. So some some <laughs> rearranging, some, some wiping, some patting down of things oh and stuff. <laughs> I feel so fresh now, guys. I feel very fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, David Bowie. Mm. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Mm. It's oh, gonna be tough. Kevin. It's gonna be tough to talk about him. Oh. Uh, I think I'll be okay, actually. But uh, be therapeutic. There's been some distance, Absolutely. and this is also gonna come out even later. Even later, so people will be like, "Wow, she's got a lot of feelings about yeah, this." It's I, only been about a month, so. 
Yeah, almost pretty much exactly. Yeah. I've dealt with my grief completely differently. I've just like smothered myself with Bowie over the past month. <laughs> I uh, I did that for the first couple of days, but uh, since then I've been like, because I cried a lot on the Monday. Like the oh. Sunday, I was like, oh no. And then I just took one of my hidden lorazepams from like years ago because I was just like, it's it's twelve thirty at night and I will not sleep if I don't do something. <laughs> so I conked out and then I woke up the next morning like, mm, you know, like do 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 do. Oh shit, life sucks. I forgot. <laughs> so I woke up and I had the day off and I just blared David Bowie all day and just wept while I sang along, which was in its own way very therapeutic. But yeah. what I thought we would start off with is just like everybody can maybe talk about their first exposure to him as an artist. Um, because he's such a formative part of my life. I don't know if, if that's the same for both of you, but, uh, Allison, let's start with our beautiful guest. Um, I mean, like, uh, like any woman average age 30, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say my first introduction was Labyrinth. Yep. Yeah. When you said like any woman our age, I'm like, it's going to be Labyrinth. It's going to yeah. be that cod piece. <laughs> yeah. Which was, you know, really, really great. You know, like our tape. Uh, our videotape of Labyrinth was probably like, you know, a little worn down during the part of Magic Dance where he lifts his arms, you know, <laughs> like specific second when you can like see detail. <laughs> you can see what religion Mr. Bowie was raised as. <laughs> or just like what part of the world he yeah. lived in. Yeah, that's it's definitely very true. regional. There's yeah. some regional stuff. Yeah. So I was, I was aware of him and appreciated him. For a long time, you know, in, in, in those younger years. And then, uh, but then there was this, like, really specific moment in my adolescence. I was actually, I think it was my first period. This <laughs> 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 is David Bowie's story starts. Um, I was on a family road trip. And, um, yeah, McClare Mac- family road trips are just, like, really hard ass they're like you know it's, it's not about like seeing the sights it's about getting the fuck there uh so like very few breaks just really powering through and i was experiencing this new kind of pain <laughs> that i had never conceived of before oh. <laughs> and i'm like sitting in the back of the van we're like a six-person family so it's very crowded and i'm back there with my eldest sister and I'm just, like, writhing around. She's like, here, take my disc, man. <laughs> and I go through her collection. I'm like, what is Bowie like outside of Labyrinth? And I just put on the, like, the best of Bowie's from the 70s collection. Wow. And I hear Ziggy Stardust. I'm like, oh, it's this song that I've heard on the radio. I, yeah. I, I fucking love this song. <laughs> Wait a minute. Bowie is, is so... Ubiquitous. Yeah. And, and like, oh man, you have so many different sounds going on. And this makes me feel so comforted (laughs) and better. And yeah, it was a a very important moment. (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so lovely. (laughs) And after that, yeah, I just kept, kept listening to more and more. I couldn't get enough. You just were were you menstruating the entire time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it hasn't stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. How about you, Chris? It's uh, it's the ubiquity of David Bowie that you speak of 
Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like, I definitely remember Labyrinth, but I definitely remember hearing, like, on any classic rock station, there was always, you know, changes mm-hmm. and Ziggy Stardust and space whatever. Space Oddity. The, yeah, Space Oddity. I just knew those songs. Yeah. And I didn't really realize really who did them, them because it sounded like different people. Mm. Yeah. So I didn't think that there was any one artist. And then when I learned that it was the same person that did all of that stuff, I thought that was really cool. And it really honestly, honestly, honestly wasn't until we started doing our New Year's that I really got into David Bowie because then I had to learn the songs and learn how complicated they actually were mm-hmm. and learn how to sing all the different parts and all of the different harmonies. And it was lovely. Like, the first song that I really knew was Heroes because yeah. Oasis covered it. <laughs> and I was a big Oasis fan. Understatement of the century. <laughs> I was a big Oasis fan. I didn't even Oasis know fan. covered Heroes. On a B-side, on the Don't Look Back in Anger single, uh, they do Heroes, and Noel Gallagher singing that. I'm like, oh, I know that song. That seems like a cool song. And then I played it at jams before, and it's really simple. Um, And then to finally start playing it at New Year's, where it's like, this is complicated. There's a lot of different stuff going on, and I started really gaining a much more broad appreciation, Mm -hmm. I guess, for the music. And how beautiful it was. And now I have, like, a bunch of favorite songs. So I think it was the weekend after we found out that he passed away. We had a jam at our place and wound up singing a bunch of stuff and, like, singing several songs multiple times just to get people into it. And it was uh, so fun to just belt I'm so mad that I missed that part. Me too. Songs. Oh, was, we have to do it again then. Yeah, yeah do it again. we totally could. Yeah, you, Ali, you were in... Uh, Ontario and Katie, you were away as well. Or viciously sick or something. Yeah. I do have a really cute story about Heroes after we finish our... Yeah. Katie, what was your first experience? Oh, man. My... uh, I have, like, two sort of initial experiences. And I I wrote, like, a post about this on my... um, I have, like, a a public blog that I use um, to talk about feelings that aren't super embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) So I use that to, like, sort of practice writing, but I wrote a post about that. I'm actually very proud of it because it was, like, very emotionally honest and I thought, like, pretty succinct. So I'm repeating myself a bit here, but the first time I ever knew who David Bowie was was in 1993 when Apollo 13 came out because as part of, like, the promo and stuff, for some reason, um, Space Oddity was... Because it came out, like, around the time that Apollo 11, I think, was... or. Was it Apollo 11? I don't know. It came out, like, within a couple years of the actual moon landing and all of the, like, the space program sort of... Because Space Oddity came out in 1969. So it really is sort of, like, tied up with the whole NASA push, like, in the late 60s during the Cold War. Um, And so in the film Apollo 13 with uh, Tom Hanks and Bill Paxton and... Those are the only people I can remember in the movie. I'm sorry to everybody else who was in Apollo 13 who wasn't those two CSI. guys. Oh, Gary Sinise. Yeah. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. He'll never escape that role. Um, but I just, I remember going to see that movie in the theater with my parents and then coming back in the van and they, the song was on the radio and then my parents turned it up was like, oh, Katie, this is like a space song about the same sort of thing. And so it like, they're like, this is by David Bowie. And for some reason that like tattooed the name into my brain. And so I always knew like, okay, that's someone to watch out for. And then a little bit later in my life, um, when I met, uh, Jasta, who's one of my best friends, um, I met her through church, weirdly enough. And, uh, when we started hanging out, 
Um, I can't remember. We said there was some talk about David Bowie, and I talked about how I liked his music because I saw it in The Wedding Singer. And I was like, ooh, this, this is a good tune. I like David Bowie. I like Billy Idol. I like all of these, like, 80s artists, quote unquote. Right. Um, not realizing that David Bowie's not really an 80s artist at all. He's a transcendent, beautiful alien who yeah. did things better than anyone else did, ever. Um, <laughs> uh, so True. I remember, like, just being really obsessed with that movie and Jasta telling me, like, oh, well, if you like David Bowie, do I have a treat for you? <laughs> Which was her Betamax copy of Labyrinth. <laughs> and just like you, um, I feel like she put that movie on at the exact moment I hit puberty. <laughs> So I remember being just like blown away by the sexiness of like, I, I guess there's a lot, there's a lot of like weird gender stuff at play there where it's like an older man, like putting you through a challenge and stuff. So it's like quite a weird erotic oh, it experience. It really is a creepy movie. That's it's a deeply creepy it. erotic moment. <laughs> That's why I was always so, we talked about this in our book club episode where it's like, I was really into vampire stuff because that was the dynamic as well. Yeah. Well, and it like, really, it hit the same notes of totally. just like older experienced man kind of guiding you through what to do and yeah. it's a little bit but but not a manly man at all mm-hmm. so it's like not as threatening because he's like it was very like David Bowie's always was came off like very fey and like alien as opposed to like big burly brawny man yeah, or whatever not, so. not threatening not scary yeah. but not part of non-threatening boys club magazine no because he was an adult man <laughs> yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff but he was a little threatening as Jareth he was yeah <laughs> the men I would say, yeah menacing but. for sure but like sexy menacing where I was kind of like yeah, I might trade a baby for that I don't know <laughs> if it wasn't my baby like what do I care <laughs> so Oh, that was that was very much like okay now I'm really into it now I don't and then um, like just a couple weeks after we watched it we were uh, back when the telephone was still an important thing to teenage girls uh, I assume that it's all texting now I don't really know I don't talk to a ton of teenage girls so uh, but we were on our house phones and our phone call had to start super early in the evening so we weren't like ringing the phone at the other house like past bedtime so I think we started on our phone call at 10 <laughs> and then at 2 o'clock in the morning oh. so we're watching uh, we're not talking the whole time we just have the phones on pretty much and so we're watching like we're both watching much music and it's an 80s retrospective and the song China Girl comes on and we're just like wrapped attention watching it and where the part where it goes oh baby just you shut your mouth ah. she says shh Jasta goes the China girl sounds like a man. <laughs> and I just, it's such a strong memory of like one of my dearest and oldest friends, like the China girl sounds like a man in this song, <laughs> which was yeah. so stupid. It's not, it's not trying too hard to do an impression of a China no, which girl. Which is probably thank for God. the, thank God for that. <laughs> so, so that's, I just remember that. And then after that, I found like a David Bowie CD at her parent at her house, like her parents' house. And it was her dad's like changes one Bowie album. Mm. And I just asked him if I could borrow it. And so I made a t- like a cassette tape of it and I wore the tape out. Like I listened to it so much that it just fell apart. <laughs> so that was like what started it all. And it just got worse over time. You know, I like consumed as many of his movies as possible. I got like all of the albums. I didn't have money. Like I didn't have a job. So I was like, collecting money trying to do like the published not publisher's clearing house what was it the columbia house right oh, yes. like oh, Jesus. just really trying like okay my birthday's coming up christmas is coming up i want this book i want this like i was collecting i had so much well, memorabilia columbia house, you could get like 20 cds for five cents it's, <laughs> it's like great deal there's no there's no way to lose <laughs> i'm probably 
still in debt to Columbia. <laughs> Please don't find me. Oh, I'm so no. scared. Yeah, don't use your real name on this podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> too late. So yeah, we uh, I think as as the three of us are acquainted and friendly through the New Year's Eve shows, I don't think we've ever had one that didn't have a David Bowie we song. We always have David Bowie. I've never done a set without David Multiple. Bowie in it. Yeah, and I feel like every year... Our jams always were full of them. Like every year, pretty much every set has a David Bowie song usually, mm-hmm. or a Tom Waits song. It's either or. Yeah. And so I've never performed a David Bowie song as the lead, Ooh. but I kind of feel like I'm gonna this. Like, yeah, you this gotta. I, I feel like that should be a requirement that everyone has to do a David, One Bowie, David song Bowie in their yeah. set. I, um, <laughs> I, like, was very, very close, and I really, really wanted to, and I was like, no, I'll go against the grain and do a T Rex song. Well, that's a pretty good choice, <laughs> so too, they were good, buds. It was fun. Well, did you do Bang a Gong or did you do 20th Century Boy? 20th, 20th Century, Century Boy. Such a good one. And it was me and Tanya doing fucking backing vocals on oh. it. It was so Oh, that's good. so hot. I Gave love me it. life. I love, oh, I just love glam rock so much. It just t- taps into so many things that I like that it's just like a little bit sexually menacing, but not like too much. And it's beautiful. Mm. Like everybody's dressed mm. up. People wear the same things regardless of gender. Like everybody's in makeup, everybody's in tight things and yes. everybody's gyrating and mm-hmm. and using like their best raspy alto voices and stuff. And Katie, I just love would you, it. Would you say that Bowie and like other glam rock stuff really like influence you as a person and your gender presentation? Oh my and- God. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look like a chubby Ziggy Stardust, so <laughs> that's always sort of what I'm going for. Uh, he, yeah, his fashion choices and things just really, oh my god, all of it, like, yeah, T-Rex and, you know, to a lesser extent, some of the sort of, like, less less respect, well, I mean, like, Queen is a glam band in some ways, mm-hmm. they're, they're classic rock, but they're also glam rock, and I just love that sort of sense of, like, look at me, I'm gorgeous, uh, mm-hmm. While you're doing the like, I want everybody to be sexually attracted to me. I feel like even kind Mick Jagger was like that too, and they weren't yeah. glammy, but like yeah, but he had, he ran with that crowd, right? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he and David Bowie had sex. As like, they say, there are yeah. so many like he anecdotal some kimonos. I think <laughs> well, even today, like he's still so like such a skinny little little mm-hmm. stick who's always just like mm, chicken dancing mm-hmm. around. And... I feel like. After after David Bowie passed away, a lot of people were talking about just how much he influenced their gender, yeah. and how much like the one song about like Rebel Rebel, where it's like yeah. she doesn't know if you're a boy or a girl, was so important to them. Where yeah. it's like it's fine to not know, and mm-hmm. it's fine to just be in between, or it's mm-hmm. fine to yes. not be anything. It's fine to be ambiguous. It's a great message to have when you're younger. If you're yeah confused about your gender or sexuality, and you're like. Yeah, maybe I just don't really have to uh, define it, and mm-hmm. I can just rock it out. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, and I, I really, with with him, it was the first time as a teenager, because, like, my teen years were actually pretty positive, like, I had a pretty good time, and a lot of that was just, like, me projecting the sort of fake confidence that I got from listening to that music that I thought would was cool, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, it was classic, so it wasn't something that was brand new and trendy. It was something that, like, adults would recognize as being cool, and people who were young enough to realize that that's not, like, super mainstream, so they might think it was cool. So it was, like, something that, like, boosted my ego a little bit, because I'm like, oh, I'm super young, but I listen to this cool, like, older people's music, which <laughs> is David Bowie, right? And I would, like, wear the t-shirts and stuff, and teachers mm-hmm. would be like, hey, cool stuff, and, like, some yeah. more in-the-know kids would be like, hey, cool stuff. <laughs> and that was really super, like, super fun for me, so... And, I mean... I 
I dyed my hair this red color for the first time when I was 15. So wow. I've been I've been tapping into that sort of like Ziggy vibe for a really long time. And I sometimes I don't even think I'm aware of how much it's an influence on me. It's it's seeped into my unconsciousness. And it's so it was so truly important. Like if I really th- if I think too much about it and think like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's dead. Mm-hmm. Then I get really, really sad Aww. about it. So and that's like that really makes me wonder, like, I've noticed that a lot of people were kind of trying to discipline other people's reactions of grief when he died because he was such a popular artist in, in that, like, you kind of have to had to love the music that he made. You don't didn't have to be your thing, but you had to respect it kind of because it was so influential. And so everybody had something to say when he died. Uh, and then some people started coming in being like, you didn't know him. Like, do you even care? Like, also, he did bad things, too. Um, so... Like, what do you guys think? Like, what is it? Is it? It's weird when a celebrity dies, right? Like, it's a it's a weird sort of manifestation of grief. It's not as legitimate as if it's somebody that you knew personally. So, what was your experience with that? I just found like for David Bowie with so many people, they're like, I didn't know him, I didn't know anything about him, but I'm so sad. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you didn't know him, how can you feel sad about him, right? But it's like because he influenced you so much. Mm Like, it's that important. Like, just because someone doesn't have a personal interaction with you, like, their work can touch you for ages and ages and ages. Absolutely. Especially if you grew up with him like we all did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Back to the sort of grief thing, because I definitely felt weird. Like, I felt it, but I wasn't letting myself, like, truly feel it. Like, I had the tears in my eyes, and I wasn't letting them fall out, because I'm like, this is stupid. I didn't know him. It's like... But then every I got I started getting all these text messages like and emails yeah, and <laughs> and Twitter like DMs and messages on Facebook like my mom texted me she's like my baby's heart must be breaking and it was <gasps> it fucking that's your was. mom's that's Valentine's my, Day text yes that's Aww. the one she's like she knew <laughs> yeah. that I would be so sad and it's it's true I like I was shocked at first because I had thought he was probably sick because he had been really not in the public eye since he had a heart attack in like 2005 I want to say like when he was in Switzerland I think and um his whole band was like where did David go? Because he was, like, doing the show, and then he, like, puked on the side of the stage and was gone for 20 minutes. So, like, I guess we'll just vamp for a while. Then he came back and finished the show. And then he had to go get, like, an... He had, like, uh, an arterial stent put in or something like that and had, like, heart surgery. Holy shit, what a pro. He really hasn't performed... Hadn't performed live since then. And so there were still some albums coming out. Like, one came out a couple years ago. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now, but... uh, um, the next day, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah. And that was like where he had like Tilda Swinton in the video, and everybody's losing their yeah. minds. Like, finally, he got to put himself next to Tilda Swinton. And we I could know. look at how <laughs> similar they look, yeah, finally, without having amazing. to Photoshop it. And then they played each other in the video, and it was like, great and phenomenal. So we're like, oh my god, David Bowie still got it. Like he's still doing all this cool shit, but he was not performing live, and that was sort of seemed to be but telling to me because all of these other older artists are still sort of desperately, you mm. know. Hitting hitting the bricks and stuff like just trying to stay doing their big massive tours and stuff like the freaking 
Mick Jagger. It's mm. so that must be so exhausting. I imagine yeah. so, but I look at them and I'm like, they well, they've got clearly got something working for them, whether that's cocaine or uh, uh, it apparently uh, yaks, is not yak's blood or yeah. something like. Maybe they just have like they're getting children's blood transfusions or they something. They've got like or, a team of massage yeah. therapists just like pampering them forever. I, I like to imagine what, that what? they that both Keith and Mick like curl up like cockroaches overnight, and they have to be like massaged out into like their regular <laughs> sizes. Again. <laughs> They're just like all balled up and tiny. <laughs> like, oh <laughs> better inject the youth serum back into them. But I didn't get I got the impression with David Bowie that he was like he had so much of his early life was like based in this sort of beautiful artifice that he was just ready to just kind of be real as he got a little older. Yeah, like I know like, he had a he had a daughter job. late with his with Iman and he wanted to Iman. maybe just be like a dad and a husband and like to still do his art, but like just not be as like full whole life about it. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he's, he's done it all. Yeah. There's no need to like keep, keep pushing it. Yeah. So I think that when, when he died, cause he hadn't announced being sick, like in the last year and a half when he supposedly had cancer, mm-hmm. um, I had stopped thinking like, Oh, he must be sick because I'm like, Oh, he's putting out an album. Like he's got a full album coming out and he's got all these like videos and stuff. So he must be all right. Yeah. Prepping for a tour. Two days later he died. Like two days. He released the album on his birthday and then he died two days later. It was so funny because I was out. It's so badass though. It's so badass. And that's (laughs) really like, I I do want to like put a pin in that and come back to it because I'm very interested in that whole like architect of your own demise Mm. kind of thing, which was very interesting to me. But I, but I do like before, before we like run out of time, I do want to touch on the sort of, like, uncomfortable thing mm. that uh, that I wasn't really sure how yeah. we were going to talk about it, because one thing that did happen uh, within the couple days after he passed away is there's a lot of people who, even though I believe that they were truly, you know, well-meaning and they really, like, do believe in the the best possible interpretation of their behavior it always kind of seemed like they were trying to get a gotcha in on people who were grieving and be like yeah. you shouldn't be sad about this guy being dead because wh- like one time he slept with an underage girl which is not a good thing to do like let's yeah. fully just say that right now that <laughs> statutory rape is not okay what he did you should not be an adult man sleeping with a child like uh-huh. essentially but at the same time there were so many different vari- variations on the story and the person mm-hmm. in question yeah, she you, wrote an yeah. article that I read recently after, and I think she had written it many years before he even died, mm-hmm. just about, like, hey, here's my experience. I'm now in my... 50s or 60s. 40s or, or 50s or 60s or... Yeah, I didn't remember, but, like, she was like, I remember that time, and I look back fondly on that time, and I was, like, a queen, you know, courting these amazing rock stars, and I was just doing my thing. This is what we did. We were young... Sweet girl groupies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I feel very uncomfortable with that, but I also really relate to it, where it's like, I was totally, as a young girl, like, really sexual and really yeah. into older <laughs> men. I and, like, so it was, would have done it. I would have, I would have yeah, done it. I would have done it, and I probably would have, like, had complicated feelings after. It probably yes. would have, like, stuck with me in a weird way, but yeah. it's also, like, I've, yeah, I had other experiences that were super negative mm. that were not those, like, weird mm-hmm. imbalances of power. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, that's the thing, is it's a, yeah, bad power dynamic there. And, yeah. and, like, yeah, even, 
it was a different time and as you much know, as that's and, not an excuse yeah but it's, it's like, not yeah like and yeah obviously the adult just should have known better yeah <laughs> that's we always uh, hope that the adult should be the one on to, a lot of drugs yeah yeah we're really sure not trying not, to make excuses here it. but but yeah when we take when we, i think when we take the agency away from the person who is like talking about their story and saying like hey i had a good time and we're like mm-hmm. no you didn't sweetie actually like you were abused and she's like well i don't feel that way and like where well, you were yeah. you know then we kind of like pull the rug out from under her and say like mm-hmm. you lie there and you just like you get our interpretation then that's what you get oh, yeah that's a, and that's yeah. not i don't think that's good either that's so a I, bad power dynamic the whole own. thing is it sucks like if, if that did happen as everybody was trying to say that it happened then it's an awful thing but it's like do we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater completely like can we is it when somebody makes I don't want to say a mistake when somebody does something that is abusive or hurtful does that mean that they're always 100% a bad person forever after that or can they change can they be better can we still like them even though they've done that mm-hmm. or can mm-hmm. we still like them while acknowledging the bad things that they've done I guess I just, I like to believe that Dave Bowie wasn't proud of that moment. I mean, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Who would, like, you ask someone years later, like, hey, do you feel really good about that time that you slept with a teenage girl? Like, yeah. nope. <laughs> not really. Yeah. We could talk to Jimmy Page, but I'm sure that he'd just be like, same girl. Mm-hmm. It's the same, same person. I know. Really? That's the weird thing. Okay. Yeah. It's, like, uh, I'm very interested in Jimmy Page's whole dynamic with his, like, I'm Alistair Crowley incarnate and I bought his castle in Scotland and I am an occult master. Like, oh my god, all these things I don't that's know. His own <laughs> Jimmy Page's whole own thing. I read that article with that woman, and just her whole thing about Jimmy Page was more creepy than David Bowie. It's yeah. like David Bowie treated me like a sweet princess, and, and Jimmy Page kidnapped me, basically, mm. yeah. <laughs> and put me in a castle. Yeah, but no one's no one's talking about Jimmy Page. But I think most importantly, it's well, he hasn't a, died yet. So we'll a learning see. experience for us all. Oh, like it's important God. to talk about these yeah. things. Yeah. So we acknowledge that like that is a thing that happens when people become famous. They sort of lose grip with reality. And it's like pleasure palace all the time. Anything yeah. you ever want is there. No one's yeah. ever going to say no to you. And you have to yeah acknowledge that I don't know. You're not carding happen, everybody who's and coming it's through. Not okay to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. And that. Like, we'll say bad things about you after you die. Yeah. yeah. And the culture has changed a lot. A lot. And it's, like, not to excuse what happened back then, but it's, like, that was what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. just hung out, mm-hmm. and lots of young girls hung out with older rock stars, yeah. and that's just what happened. It does not really happen anymore. Yeah. I'm sure it does, actually, all the time. Yeah. Although I think it's I think it's yeah. more like it's more like we we're married to the technicalities of it where it's like a lot of rock stars are now taking it with like eighteen and nineteen year old girls and it's like sure it's not illegal but it's like there's still that power imbalance mm-hmm, even if yeah. they've got like a few more of those years of experience but I didn't like comparing what I knew when I was like fourteen to what I knew when I was eighteen is not like <sighs> I was not that much more mature at eighteen I was yeah. a little bit more able to sort of. Uh, advocate for myself but the the difference between 14 and 18 is not see this sounds like I'm trying to defend it and I'm not but I'm also trying to like look at it from my own perspective as like somebody who had been like a young woman and had been very like interested in that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and like would have gone for it I right would have gone so for I'm speaking it I'm speaking to that only from the perspective of somebody who used to be a teenage girl yeah. right not in a you know like let's defend it let's make it so it's okay it's kind of like no it's nuanced right like it's mm-hmm. it's really weird and complex mm-hmm. uh and it 
does make me feel gross when I think about it, but it's uh-huh. also like, what what was I going through at that time? I was just a bundle of hormones. Like, if someone had been like, hey, all the most gorgeous, amazing people that you put up in your locker, like, they want to hang out with you and spend time with you, I'd be like, mm. you can't see me, but I'm doing a very rude gesture right now that just suggests, come at me, bro. <laughs> We can see it. You can see it. It was very splayed. I will say that much. So, yeah. So there's no... I don't think there's an answer to that. Like, it's, it's a complex thing that we can yeah. just leave as this weird, murky thing that made it very difficult to sort of wholeheartedly grieve for mm-hmm. me. Because yeah. people were really, really eager to, like, inject and be like, hey, the person that you loved and who is dead now and you're very sad about was a very bad person and you need to just stop feeling sad and start feeling bad. Especially when they... Uh, People just came with it, like, right away. I'm yeah. like, yeah, give me a moment, okay, please? Give me, like, a couple days. I know it's not cool, but, like, yeah, yeah. let me just absorb this. Let me just be very sad for a bit. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. It's really hard. And then I like to think about, like, our friend Hillary again, mm-hmm. who did the amazing theme song, who we've referenced already, and I'm sure that when we have her on the podcast, we might talk about this, too, is, like, how do you work with people in a community mm-hmm. where... Yeah, they fucked up. They yeah. did a big, like, a big bad thing. Mm-hmm. Do you just eject them from your whole existence, or do you try to work with it? Yeah. And it's like, we don't have the luxury to work with David Bowie no. <laughs> to try to, like, let's deconstruct how you slept with that 15-year-old girl in the 70s mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Right? But why do we have to necessarily boot someone out if we... Do we think that they're unirredeemable, yeah. or do we? Where think do they, they go actually... when we kick them out? It's not like they don't go to another community. It's not like mm-hmm. they go to like the island of misfit toys where mm-hmm. they just like all hang out with each other, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. not, it's not a solution to They'll just go to cut someone community, off. But it's like also your community facilitates a lot of stuff. Yeah, where just one person, kind of being predatory, like a bunch of people probably should have stepped up to do something, yeah. but they didn't. Yeah. So it's not all in that one person either. It's, it's it's very, again, like you said, it's very nuanced. Yeah, and there's there isn't an answer, and I, I don't, I really, like, want to keep saying, like, I'm not trying to make that all okay, because it's not. But at the same time, it's like, that is one part of this massive diagram of someone's life who is a very important artist and who mm-hmm. has done a lot to make my life better and your lives better and every like every music fan there was so much that he brought to the table musically and theatrically that I don't think anybody else has ever been his peer but that's Mm -hmm. me coming from the perspective of like a total Bowie freak (laughs) yeah but it's true like I've never seen a celebrity death have such an impact no I haven't either you know and I don't think I don't think that they're... I'm trying to think of, like, when they're... Like, Princess Diana was obviously a, a oh. different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. Um, royalty. Royalty, yeah. And I remember that being, like, a really big deal. But I definitely haven't experienced sort of um, a massive amount of people grieving for someone on that scale. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, my God. The night that I heard... Yeah, the night that it happened... The 10th, um, I guess, or the, yeah, hmm? like the 10th, I think it was, it was January 10th. Yeah, the Sunday night. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was jamming with Tom and Adam, mm-hmm. and uh, Tom was introducing us to some new songs, and I was like, oh man, this is great, this totally sounds like Labyrinth era Bowie, <laughs> especially like, I don't know, the synthy shit we were mm-hmm. bringing into it, and yeah, and then I'm on my way home, chatting with Tom. And, like, I can just feel in my pocket. My phone starts going crazy. <laughs> Getting mm. messages from all over Canada. 
just people being like, oh my god. Allison, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then and then we part ways, and I'm like riding in the bus home by myself, and then just like start crying in public. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Listening to Driving Saturday. <laughs> oh my god, his name was always Buddy. Oh fuck, that's a that's, oh my god. I, I might cry. I'm fine. Um. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a big public cry. That's it's. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it. I was so glad to have the Monday off because um, I really just put on like just like four or five albums and just blasted them. And I'm sure that my neighbors could hear. <laughs> were probably just like me too, girl. Me too. Because yeah. <laughs> a really weirdly disproportionate number of people who live on my floor are gay <laughs> or otherwise like part of the LGBT. <laughs> spectrum and so I just really felt like okay everybody's gonna be on board with me here <laughs> just playing this to death so yeah. and it was it was just it was very very difficult but at the same time I am really fascinated by the fact that he was able to almost orchestrate his own death uh, in a way that left yeah. people going like what the fuck Dave like all oh, the poetry the uh. poetry of it all yeah you oh, know like really his album intense. coming out his 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 video his last video ever where yeah. he's like got those weird button eyes but, and because he knew he knew he knew of yeah. course he knew and so he knew for a really long time and he was like I would I am sick and mm-hmm. I am dying so I'm gonna work on a piece of art that is like my capstone like the Isn't that my tombstone so cool? even. It's so cool, like, it's so, it's so creepy and scary to be somebody who has, like, you have your own expiration date, basically, and you know it's coming, but it gives you the opportunity to, like, leave something of yourself behind, I think, and that's, there's something to be said for that, and there's something to be said for the opposite, where it just, like, takes you like a thief in the night, so you don't have to, like, face down your own demise that way. I, honestly, I always am feeling like I want the... Ladder? Instant one. Yeah. My yeah. grandfather, he was just bicycling down a Sunshine Coast road and just had a heart attack and just boom in front of where the Tim Hortons is now and just over on his bike. Is that the Tim Hortons we went to? Yeah. Oh, God, you never said that it was haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. <laughs> it's That was like, I was 10 years old, so like that was a long time ago. Yeah. But he just was riding his bike happy as can be and just keeled over on his bicycle, had a heart attack, died. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But then he left, you know, his wife, who was my grandmother, for like another 30 or 40 years after he died. Mm-hmm. 20. <laughs> so bad at math. It's okay, I'm pretty good <laughs> at it, so I'm here to just yeah. like... <laughs> my grandma is dead now, so like, <laughs> it's definitely not 40 years. Because you would be 50 if that was I the know. case. I'm here to help. Oh, I'm so bad at math. But anyway, like, she lived a long time after him mm-hmm. and was, like, the saddest and went into a coma forever for, like... Yeah. Oh. Nobody in my family died peacefully, it seems like. Like, my grandmother... My one grandmother died at 68, mm-hmm. had a heart attack. But that's so young. That's one year older yeah. than my dad is right now. And my dad's, like, so vital. Like, oh, your dad is He's, super... like, golfing all the time. He's, like, keeping up to date on uh, politics and your dad what is, is like... A sweetie. My dad is oh. a turbo sweetie. Yeah. My parents um, love Tai Chi. He's <laughs> so cute. That was such a fucking nonsense. No, no, it isn't. Because parents, you know, staying active. They fucking love yeah. Tai Chi. It just what I was so saying funny. about my grandpa, where it's like he just died, like kabam. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, 
honestly. I would like to do that, that but yeah. it's like the partners that I would leave behind or the family or yeah. whatever. Like it was yeah, just it would make so me very sudden. Sad. It was yeah. so sudden. I but yeah. I guess I don't have to think about it. Well true, right? And I, I, I think this is a it's a tough thing to think about. Like my partner is very like death phobic for a variety of reasons and I'm not. I'm like really, really like let like let's dig down into our fear of mortality mm-hmm. and stuff because I'm like all about that. I'm like, the more I talk about it, the less scared I am, which yeah. is the opposite for Let's my put marathon, for my sweetie. Six so. feet under. Yeah, yeah, put it into That's... the sunlight and you just expose oh, it. Oh, yeah. And I, I just like, because there's no way around it. Like, we all got to go. But there's a lot of ways to sort of mitigate the fear, I think. And I think the idea that this artist who had always been kind of like pulling strings and stuff and like had a lot of control over his personal image, I think, mm-hmm. um, before anybody else was really overly paying into, you know, PR firms and stuff like that. He was always uh, the conductor and stuff. Like, he was always in charge, and I just really like that about him. Like, even when he was bananas, like, in the 70s, when he was doing all kinds of cocaine and just was subsisting on cocaine and milk and red peppers <laughs> and was, thinks that the aliens and demons were trying to, like, speak to his brain and stuff, he was still like, okay, so I've got this cool outfit, and I've got my gaunt-ass face, and I'm gonna go on this talk show with my, like, weird white people's soul and I'm going to do this and now, oh, shit's fucked up, so I'm going to go to Germany for, like, several years and do some weird experimental stuff with Brian Eno and Philip Glass and whatnot, so Mm. I just... I just like that he always seemed to have an idea for what he wanted to be doing, and he was just mm-hmm. always doing something. And even if the idea sucked, he'd be like, okay, Tim Machine, nobody liked it. Moving on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, let's do Outside and Earthling. These are some fucking weird things that a man in his, like, late 40s would be working on. Like, I'm, you know, yeah. do a tour with Trent Reznor where we, like, trade off on who's headlining and... Make some videos. And I'm not going to do really... any of the songs people want me to do because I'm doing something totally different. Like, <laughs> yeah. God bless him. I miss him a lot. Aww. I really do. And what I'm picking up from what you're saying is like someone that is fearless in their own creativity. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, who fucking cares? I am this person mm-hmm. and I love my work and I love what I'm doing right now, so I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Like, that's something that we can all carry forward, I think. I think so. I think that's a really badass sentiment to just be like, you know what? Fuck you if you don't like, you liked my old stuff, you don't like my new stuff. I'm just going to keep doing stuff. I don't care. I'm going to change constantly. And there's an element to that in, like, doing Sea Hags, doing the podcast, because there's, like, I know that we haven't, at this point, we haven't actually put it out there yet. We haven't, we haven't posted our episodes. Nobody's listening to them. And it's kind of like, well, what if it? What if people think it sucks? Like, what if people think it's terrible? It's like, well, too bad. We're gonna keep doing it. Yeah, like, it's what it is. we're just gonna keep it's doing it, keep putting it out, and eventually we'll actually get pretty good at it. Probably, like, <laughs> you don't do something regularly for a year without improving. <laughs> and if you do, give your head a shake. <laughs> so it is kind of inspirational in that regard because it's like, well, maybe this will be our tin machine, but maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be our uh, rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? You don't know until you do it, and he really did it. So that's what I think about David Bowie. Hooray. Maybe Woo! I'm ready to listen to his music again. Yay! Just weep constantly. Was this, was this a cathartic yeah. thing for you, Katie? Because like, I feel like you haven't gotten a chance to really speak about it. <laughs> Are you no. making fun of me? No, I'm not. <laughs> I've just been babbling for, like, the last ten minutes. No, I feel like this is super important because you wrote about it in a beautiful way, but, like, I don't feel like you've gotten to really express it. I... 
there is something about it that it is sort of like David David Bowie was kind of like uh, a spiritual figure for me because I I discovered him in my life in in earnestness around the time that I was like going to church on a regular basis, which oh, I was doing. Wow. This is weird because my family's not religious at all, but I started going to church because I was very lonely and I didn't really Aww. have a lot of friends and I was looking for people to kind of just like, people who had to be nice to me. So I went to youth group and I went to church Aww. and people had to be nice to me. They were so nice and they were so welcoming. And, so, and you know, at the That's... time I was not out and queer and stuff, but I was like, I just needed people to be kind for me to be able to kind of just be a, a nice little weirdo like I am. Um, and... So that coming up, kind of like, okay, this is learning about David Bowie, who is like, was his old stuff pretty visibly queer, pretty visibly weird, um, and not at all to do with Jesus, really, except for in the most, you know, base <laughs> symbolic ways. And then, like, kind of Never coming. Bob Dylan. And then, Jesus thing. kind of ca- coming out of like going to church around age 15, 16, and still having that David Bowie stuff. So I think that maybe. There was a bit of like a bit of a god complex thing going on there, or like a god uh, mm. conflation where it was like, okay, so this is somebody that I like. What WWDBD? Like, <laughs> what would David Bowie do artistically yeah. speaking, anyway, or at least in terms of like having courage about That's who you so are? Funny. Because I think a lot of people people have said about me in my life, and I feel very flattered when they say this when they talk about like oh, you're fearless, Katie. Like you're just yourself all the time. And I think like, well, no, because you don't. They're not getting the internal like agony going on where I'm like well do I really want to like show this part of myself do I want to show this part of myself or whatever but Mm -hmm. the idea it's like just do what you can and be as authentic as possible when you're doing that and people respond really well to that and I think I got that from David Bowie in a lot of ways so so that's just like it's it's hard for me to like really dig in and be like well you know he wasn't perfect and he did all these other things and stuff where it's like yeah, but he's as symbolic to me as he is, as much as he is a human being who did yeah. his own thing. Like, he was yeah. somebody to aspire to who, you know, like, I would blast his music out of my old Ford Explorer, like, while I was cruising around North Delta, because I'm like, I'm so fucking cool. I'm hey, the coolest teenager who ever lived. What you got from him is so important. Yeah, it it's is. It's so important, and it's so real. Yeah. Like, it's really, really, that really... realist shit. Yeah. <laughs> And he just made me feel okay to be odd and to be a bit of a weirdo and to kind of celebrate that a little and be like, hey, maybe this is something I can put on a stage and people will look at it and they'll laugh at it or they'll cheer for it or they won't like it at all, but maybe it'll make them feel something. Uh, They'll get their money's worth, you know, they'll have an experience. (laughs) So I miss David Bowie very much. I love him very much. Um, I'm still trying to talk myself out of getting a David Bowie tattoo. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I just don't want anything else to come out and, like, find out, like, oh, actually, he used to beat babies or something like that. There's always that risk. There's always covering it up, I Uh, guess. What if you did something that was, like, very intimately connected to you and David Bowie that, you know, didn't necessarily, wasn't obviously David Bowie themed? Oh, that's an idea. Yeah, so, Katie, you have a tattoo from a band that you used to like. Oh, boy. I've made some choices in my life, and I don't actually regret them either. I have this is yeah, uh, this is my ankle tattoo. It is an AFI tattoo. Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, you know when I read this week earlier this week that uh, uh, all the members of No Doubt, Sans, Gwen Stefani are starting a new band with Davy Havoc of AFI. I was like, please send a telegram to my 16 year old self who's about to shit a brick over this news. Hey guys. <laughs> 
Tag me in that. Tag me in that. <laughs> tag me at me next time. Um, and I also have a Bill Hicks tattoo. And I was in my comedy class this week, so it's like, and Ivan Decker, Mr. Ivan Decker, who is not a past guest, but God willing, one day we'll get him on here, uh, who's like, yeah, a comic like Bill Hicks couldn't exist now because he just, like, talks shit about stuff he doesn't like. And I was like, <laughs> So the, those parts of myself are thinking, like, do I really want a David Bowie tattoo? But it's also, like, I've loved him for almost 20 years, maybe more. And yeah. he's died now, so yeah. there's not like he's going to be putting out bad albums or something where I go, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, I don't think at this point he's going to, like, stop being a part of you. <laughs> no, and I agree. I'm just not sure what that is going to be represented in. Um, yeah, you a really... just need to figure out what is a symbol of that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't well, have to be, like, a picture of David Bowie on your body, but you know who it had could be. The, one of the best <laughs> ideas is uh, who I would like to call friend of the podcast. I don't think she knows about it, but I know she'll be supportive is uh, Ms. Caitlin Fontana, formerly mm. from Vancouver, now currently living in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> she, I didn't know she was such a big David Bowie fan. I thought that Star Trek was the only thing she and I had in common, oh, but apparently no. she's a huge <laughs> David Bowie fan. She was huh. talking about she wants to get Turn and Face the Strange lyrics from Changes on ah. her with just like That's two circles um, with one with a small dot and one with a big dot to represent his eyes. And I just thought that that was such a wonderful idea. I'm like, well, I can't take that, god damn it, because <laughs> Caitlin's already got it, so... Ah, she lives in Brooklyn. She lives in Brooklyn! <laughs> a pizza! We'll probably be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> we probably will be in the same place at the same time at some point, but... Yeah, so I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but yeah, I'm definitely going through actual real human grief over someone I've never met. I have seen him live really? twice. Oh, did you really? I did on his reality tour in 2003, 2004. I saw him on the reality tour. I saw him here in Vancouver in 2003 and I saw him in Kelowna in 2004 when I had floor seats, which was pretty great because oh, he does I'm Afraid of Americans and during the line where he says Johnny wants pussy and cars, grabbed his dick. Like... <laughs> <laughs> All 50 or whatever years of him, he's just like, Johnny wants pussy and cars, and just grabs his and the entire <laughs> floor of that stadium. And we all just, like, melted, oh, like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what, J- Jareth, you put that cod piece away. <laughs> Take me to the center of your labyrinth. I will sell you every baby I can find. Not my fault I'm leaving a snail trail behind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Allison, that's vile. I love it. Should we leave it on such a grody note? Should we? Should we leave it on this dirtbag note? I feel like that's a good... <laughs> you know what? That's a, there's life yeah. everywhere. Even when we talk about no, death. It's just... <laughs> life uh, finds a way. <laughs> Was there anything else we were going to talk about? You know what? We hit all the points. I feel I feel really happy about talking about people that have died as how are we going to live on in their legacy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like if David Bowie is very much about like do what you want. Yep. Fuck everyone else. Fuck the like, haters. But kind of literally too. Like yep. please sleep with everyone. <laughs> Consensually. Consensually. Well. Yes. Oh, I ruined it. But <laughs> try to. <laughs> okay, going forward. Yes. This is our legacy. <laughs> yes. Sleep with everyone consensually, but in a, like, sweet, like, dirty, sexy way. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sweet, dirty, and sexy. But the, the actual thing is, like, do what you want. Mm-hmm. Change it up a lot. Yep. Don't worry just, if people don't like it. Mm-hmm. Do it for yourself. Just try. You'll find your audience. Don't worry about being consistent. It's okay to change. Mm-hmm. 
constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And just keep doing something. Yeah. And then when you're like, oh, I'm done with this and just go do just something move different. Just move on. Move on. Don't even, feel married to your old self. And even if that thing is really successful, you can abandon it if it doesn't feel yeah. good. Wait 20 years and then do it for your, uh, like, uh, retirement concert or whatever. Yeah. Here. Yeah. You can always, if you had a really successful thing when you were younger, you can always, like, reboot it. When you're old and sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, it's probably fine. <laughs> Maybe Beyonce. Mick Jagger does it every goddamn fine. day. Oh, so. shit. And he's still alive for some reason. Mick Jagger on blast. Uh. I'm not the biggest Mick Jagger thing? fan. Yeah, I got Mr. Mick Jagger on, on blast. I like. Is on blast a thing? Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. I'm probably using it incorrectly. I think so. You're on blast, Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't he doesn't know. care. Yeah. Just Mick Jagger. Is old. He's probably in a hyperbaric chamber right now, getting his wiener sucked. <laughs> Having new bone marrow injected into him or something. <laughs> Some filler in his lips. Uh, He's got to keep it ducky. Oh, God. Very ducky. Very ducky. Well, well, guys. This is the end of the show. We had a long show today, and it was really awesome. And I feel cathartic. I love you. I love you. I cathartic everywhere. <laughs> this was necessary. We yep. haven't had like a good just get it out there show for we a while. We laughed, we cried. Yep. We so, drank wine. If you made it through the whole show, thank we you. thank you and we love you. And I guess you're probably mm-hmm. super into it the same way that we are into ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week on the Sea Hags podcast. Bye bye. <laughs>